your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 233 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And it was so close, but so far, the Ottawa Senators jumped out to an early lead against the Winnipeg Jets. They dominated play throughout the entirety of the game, but a late goal against and some questionable decisions by the coaching staff in overtime result in an OT loss. The good news? Two more times this week, they have a chance at revenge against those Winnipeg Jets. We'll tee up tomorrow's game and get into all the details of this one. And Ascends Abroad is leading the entire NHL in goal scoring, huh? It's not who you'd expect. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, and Pilsy, what was your immediate reaction when you saw Artem Anisimov hop over the boards in overtime? Oh, shit. Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, that's got to be, that's a questionable move for sure. But this whole game, just the the taste in my mouth, like, it's when you puke in your mouth. That's what the taste left me here. Like, the point that the Ottawa Senators got from this game is dirty. I don't want that point. That's gross. Like this should have been an easy regulation win. Two points for the Sens, no points for the Jets. Instead, it goes to overtime and the Jets get two points and the Sens get one. Gross. Like this is, there's no excuses. Like the stars aligned for the Senators to win this game. You couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to come off a win. You're coming off a loss against the Leafs on Saturday. You have days to game plan to get ready. The Jets are coming off a back-to-back using their backup goalie. They're without two of their better shutdown defensemen in DeMello and Poolman. No Rozovic, no Line, like this, no Brian Little. Like this, this is a team that was weak. We saw the Maple Leafs beat up on them, even though the score didn't reflect that. The Leafs dominated them. The Sens dominated them. They just put their foot off the gas at the end, some questionable coaching decisions by DJ Smith, and they let this one slip away. Like this, this can't be happening all year when you have such a golden opportunity to run away with a win. Yeah, Ottawa jumped out in the shot clock 32 to 17 through 40 minutes of play. And we'll get into the overtime situation and all that, but let's run you through it. First, stick taps to Josh Norris, my locked-on player yesterday. It only took him four minutes and 40 seconds to score his first National Hockey League goal. It's funny because it was just two episodes ago, Pilsy. We were talking about his first NHL point, and here we are, first tuck. So you love to see that. That Norris Batherson Kachuk line, wow. 20 shots on goal combined as a line. Brady Kachuk doing what he does every single game in, game out. And then they jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. Chris Tierney with the deflection, a double deflection. So Nikita Zaitsev's point shot it gets tipped by Connor Brown, gets tipped by Chris Tierney. And again, these late goals. And that's what happened with the Jets in Toronto as well. A late goal at the end of the period to pull within one. Although that was the second period. This is the first. Alex Galchenyuk coming out. Two power play goals for Ottawa. A huge sign 
of early dominance. And when it was 3-1, Pilsy, what did Ottawa have to do to, to really ease this one home? Because then Winnipeg scores the final three goals of the game. Yeah, it's it's tough because it still seemed like they were dominating. It just whenever Winnipeg would get in the offensive zone, they were just able to sneak something through and the sense just weren't airtight. It was like those those mistakes ended up costing them. And I think the biggest thing is when it was 3-2, the Jets had their goalie pulled. And you knew that the group for the Sens on the ice were gassed. I mean, Paquette was pretty much bent over trying to stay on his feet. And I just knew I saw, I think it was Shifley and Morrissey were passing the puck back and forth on the left side side. And Paquette was just out of, out of breath. And you knew that's where they were targeting to try to score. And sure enough, Morrissey gets the point shot on that left side where Paquette should have been covering him better. And, and they get a deflection and they score. And another point is, I don't want Braden Coburn on the ice at that point. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but you need to have Thomas Shabbat on the ice in that situation. Nikita Zaitsev, I thought he had a good game, so he deserved to be out there. But you can't have Paquette and Coburn, two guys you got back in a salary dump, let's be honest, to get a second-round pick back. And these guys were should have been on your taxi squad. Now they're out here in the most important time in the game, and it costs the Sens two points, honestly. So... That's that's got to change. You got to work on that, and you need to have your best guys out on the ice when this is happening. And when you look at Paquette, he was put onto that line for this situation because Tierney had been with Connor Brown and Nick Paul for the entirety of the game. So now all of a sudden, Nick Paul gets taken off that line. No idea why, and this is the result. Because man, like Nikita Zaitsev had a great game. I understand why he's out there, but Braden Coburn, you're right. And Braden Coburn was on the ice for all three Winnipeg goals in regulation. And like, what's the goal here? He even took a penalty at the start of the second period, a weak hooking call. There just, there has to be more emphasis on playing the players who factor into the future. I don't care if Braden Coburn is any good at hockey. Can he be a leader? Yeah, he can be a leader playing 10 minutes a night. He doesn't need to be out there, shift in and shift out, playing 20 minutes, Pilsy. Only Shabbat and Zaitsev played more on the back end than Braden Coburn. How is that possible? I don't know, honestly. And we talked about it before the show. You really like Branson's game. And I thought Josh Brown has been solid in every game. Like, sure, not amazing, but he hasn't made any terrible mistakes. So I would like to see Branson and Josh Brown get those opportunities. Or give Christian Willine another chance here. Like, this... I don't know. It's it's tough to see. I mean, we're in we're in game three, so you can't you can't get too uh, too crazy here. But it's definitely disheartening to see DJ Smith kind of showing some Guy Boucher tendencies and leaning on some guys more than he should. That that makes you nervous. I'm I'm not I'm not in on all this DJ Smith hate and people uh, getting all crazy on him already. I'm gonna give it some time, but that doesn't reflect well. I would say for sure. I'm going to agree with you there, but what I'll say and three-on-three overtime really exacerbated this issue. Mike Riley's their second-best puck-moving defenseman, and that's not good. That's not good when he's in that situation. So he and Stepan already had a terrible shift in overtime. They didn't even want to get the zone. They would get to the offensive blue line and curl back. At one point, curling back until they're fumbling the puck at their own goal line. So what are you trying to prove in an overtime situation there when you have Christian Willan and a guy who thrives on getting the puck up the ice? Like Josh Brown, don't want him out there in overtime. No offense. Nikita Zaitsev, not really. Gabranson, no thanks. Braden Coburn, no. 
So that's four defensemen that you just all automatically don't want to use when you have extra ice. Let the guys play who can produce, and you can't have Shabbat out there for the entire extra frame. So I think that was a real lesson for Ottawa because the Jets, they were able to run out Pionk, run out Josh Morrissey, who was the first star of the game. Josh Morrissey played four more minutes than Thomas Shabbat. Like if, if Josh Morrissey could play 27-20, why can't Shabbat? And I guess the argument is Ottawa's defending a lead. You want to have those big pillars out there. But man, when you have the extra ice, that is just, it's time to let your fastest players go. And when they had uh, Josh Norris out there, or sorry, who was it who was playing with the Nisimov? It was one Batherson. of the kids. It was Batherson. So what are you doing? Are you trying to protect Batherson defensively by having Anisimov out there with him? That's not what overtime is. Why was it not Norris and Batherson who played the entire game together? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. However, it's not as bad as having Nate Thompson, Tom Pyatt, and Cody Ceci start overtime on a team that had Hoffman, Carlson, Stone, Turris, etc. Yeah, yeah, that definitely takes the cake of garbage coaching decisions for overtime. Shocker, they got scored on that shift against New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, big time shocker. But here's the thing, like with DJ Smith, I'm trying I'm I don't want to just be like angry and be like, "Oh, the uh they got scored on, so what a dumb decision." I'm trying to understand what he's thinking here. So, maybe if you're DJ Smith, you're looking at the Jets 3 on 3 and you're saying Three on three, you you listed off four guys you don't want on the ice on three and three for the sense, and I agree with you totally. Five, really. If you count Anisimov. <laughs> no, if I'm counting Mike Riley, I'm just talking on the back end. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, even Mike Riley is a questionable guy to have out there. But here's maybe DJ Smith is looking, all right, their top six, it lethal. Like, you got Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, uh, Wheeler, Stastny. Like, there's so many guys that are out going to out-talent our guys out there. So, Maybe let's get some checking guys on there. Try to try to force them to make mistakes and then we'll get a breakout. Maybe that's what you're thinking. I don't know. But the problem I have here is, yeah, like maybe he's trying to zig when everybody's zagging. Maybe that's what he's thinking. But on three on three overtime, especially when you had the lead and gave it up late, you can't be going out there in overtime trying not to lose a game. You got to be going out there trying to win a game. So get, like you said, get these young guys out there, get Norris out there, get Kachuk out there, get the guys that have the legs, that have the energy, that have been playing hot all night. Like that Norris Batherson Kachuk line had like half the shots for this team in this game. And they had like 40 shots, get them out there for that. And if they fail trying to be more offensive in overtime and make a mistake, that's fine. This is a year to learn those things. Artem Anisimov doesn't need to learn how to be defensively responsible in overtime. He's not a part of this future and he's a veteran. You need your young guys out there. And like I said, the stars aligned for the Sens to win this game and they let, they squandered it. They let it slip away. And when you're a team that every single person in the universe has slated to finish last in your division, and you have an opportunity to pounce on a team like this, you have to take it. So it's, it's really disheartening to say to to see them lose a game like this, but I, I'm confident they're going to have a bounce back. But then you look at your next game with uh, Winnipeg, you're probably looking at Connor Hellebuck, a Vesna winner in the net instead of Laurent Brossois. So you got your work cut out for you. Let's see how they adjust here. Well, one adjustment, it looks like Artem Anisimov was practicing with the healthy scratches. A long way to fall in 12 hours after playing an overtime shift and ultimately needing to 
really hit the gas pedal if you wanted to catch Ehlers on that break. And I got to see Ehlers a lot when I was living in Halifax. That kid is a complete stud. So credit to him. But Artem Anisimov played 10 minutes and 37 seconds in the entire game. Only Austin Watson played less for the Ottawa Senators. So is he the guy who I'd look at when I have 12 forwards to go out there in the extra frame? Probably not. I would have looked at Alex Galchenyuk, and we'll get into your Sens Central standouts for the game. And I mentioned Galchenyuk because he was your locked-on player, but Alex Galchenyuk must have grabbed a built bar before the game. He was buzzing. I wonder what flavor he get, and we'll get to Pilsy's pick of the week in a while. But built bar, it's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and they come in so many amazing flavors. Sixteen of them. Eight have chocolate nut. Eight are chocolate nut free. But the common denominator, 100% covered in real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And if you're a health-conscious guy or girl, they're perfect for you too. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. That's a nutritional grand slam that I can get behind. I always need to get the flavors narrowed down though because my mixed box came in the mail yesterday and I don't know where to start, which is why we reach out to Pilsy for his pick of the week. All right, guys, I mentioned at the start of the show that loss left a bad taste in my mouth. How am I going to get that bad taste out of my mouth? Well, you got 16 delicious Built Bar flavors to pick from. I'm not messing around with this pick, guys. I think I haven't picked this one in a while, so I'm going to hit you with a good one to get that bad taste out of your mouth caramel brownie you are the bars are already covered in chocolate then you get the brownie texture in there and then how about sweeten it up a little get a little uh, oozing caramel in there your caramel brownie that's your built bar pilsies pick of the day oh that's a great call i'm gonna go grab that out of my box and you can too when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on that gets you 20% off your first order. Make sure you tweet us at Central. We want to see your Built Bars because they're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Like I said, BuiltBar.com. Promo code locked on, 20% off your first order. All right, Pilsy. We gave stick taps to Josh Norris for his first NHL goal, but Alex Galchenyuk scored his first NHL goal with the Ottawa Senators. It's his 550th game, and we talked yesterday just about a point-per-game player against Winnipeg. He kept that up. So both of our locked-on players scored in the game, and that is a great place to start because I'm assuming Galchenyuk, for you, was one of your standouts. Absolutely. And hey, guys, we're we're helping you guys out. You want to know who should I be looking at this game? Well, Josh Norris and Alex Galchenyuk were the guys we chose, and look what they did. A little, uh, we'll call it a Sen Central bump. How about that? And I've been talking about it, and a lot of people have been kind of down on Galchenyuk, especially not getting in the first two games. The only reason, let's be honest, he's in this game is because Jimmy Stu is injured. But I said it, and DJ Smith said it, if you're going to put Alex Galchenyuk in this lineup, you need to put him in a position to succeed, and you need to put him in a position where he can create offense. Putting Alex Galchenyuk on the fourth line, kind of a waste in my eyes. So get him in the top six. Get him with players that can facilitate the play and move the puck. And I think he can have a really good season. And that goal that he scored on the power play in those new uniforms, a perfect tic-tac-toe play where he absolutely blasts one bar down. 
that was so unbelievably good looking like that, like that whole play that could watch that on loop a million times. And then his celly, you saw the emotion. And I like what they were showing Alex Galchenyuk doing visual exercises before the game. Now, you can look at that and be like, okay, this is a guy who's down his luck. He's desperate. He's trying whatever, but it's important. Like the mental side of the game is important, especially when you're not one of those guys getting on the ice, getting those physical reps, you need to keep your mind sharp. So I really like seeing what he was doing. And that goal wasn't his only chance, like off the hop, he had a really good chance where he drove off a defender, then went right to the net. I think uh, Brassois got a, a piece of his shot with the, uh, his shoulder there. So Galchenik has been looking good and, it seems like Timmy Stutzla is going to be out next game as well. So Galchenyuk is going to slot in that same spot. I don't see how you take him out of the lineup now, now that he's looking uh, so effective offensively, especially on the power play. I liked what he did. So Alex Galchenyuk, nice to see a spark there. And then you're sticking with the Russian heritage. I know that Alex Galchenyuk is an American player, played world championships, but obviously has that Russian heritage. And Nikita Zaitsev, has four assists on the year, man. How did he stand out in your eyes last night? Well, uh, let's get right to that assist, his assist on Chris Tierney's uh, goal. So The double like- deflection, just like you draw it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chris Tierney, that's what he's known for, the double deflection goals. But on that play, the Sens were snapping the puck around. It goes, it's, it's a D-to-D pass. I forget who passed it to Zaitsev, but D-to-D pass. And what does Zaitsev do? Pretty much as soon as he gets it, he controls it because the puck was bobbing a little and then gets it on net right away. I think last year, if you would have seen Zaitsev in that play, he would have corralled it, try to bank it off the boards, try to pass it back to the defenseman, and you're leading to a turnover and you're like, oh, great, we got four more goddamn years of Nikita Zaitsev doing this. What I've liked, what Nikita Zaitsev is doing is... He's just keep it simple, stupid. Like he's not trying to reinvent the game. He's not trying to do more than he's comfortable with. He's chipping pucks off the glass. He's making simple plays. And even that shot on net, the key there is don't fire it as hard as you can and hope for the best. Make it available that you can get a tip on that or two tips if you want. So that was a great play by Zaitsev. He's he's making hits. He's blocking shots. Even I forget when it was the other game, but he defended a two on one really well, deciding to get down on the ice and break up the pass at the perfect time. I'm really impressed from what I'm seeing from Nikita Zaitsev. And I think we, we did him dirty having him at the bottom of our organizational value uh, rankings countdown. And he must have heard that because he was playing with a chip on his shoulder and he's looking good this season. I love it. I'll get mushed every time as long as it means that players step up in the right situations. And he has been nothing short of excellent all season long. And that is a huge step in the right direction. Two shots on goal, had two block shots as well, played over 20 minutes as he has in almost every game. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm having an entire line as my Sense Central standouts. It's Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. Boy, what a year makes in a difference of the confidence of Drake Batherson. Seven shots on goal. He and Brady Kachuk tied for the team lead. I already said 20 for the line, meaning that Josh Norris, math guy, six in in his situation. But one thing I noticed is Josh Norris barely took any face-offs. And I'm wondering if that has an impact of what the coaching staff has seen. However, out of the six he took, he won three. So 50% on uh, on the evening for him, Really, Derek Stepan took most of the face-offs. He took 20 of the 57 face-offs in the game. So that's something to keep watch for as well. Uh, but yeah, going back to that Norris-Kachuk 
Batherson line. We've talked about how the playmaking ability between Norris and Batherson is so great in itself. And you know where to find Brady, either in front of the net or causing havoc in the corner. And that would be completely shown by his seven hits in the game as well. So always a fun topic is what is Brady Kachuk going to have more of hits or shots on goal? And it's always high in both. Of course, the only player in NHL history well, I can't say it because the season didn't finish, but he was on pace to become the only player to have 300 of each last year. So that's going to be great to follow along. That line, hey, we've been on DJ Smith a little bit. The fact that he's kept these guys together through three full games, credit to him. Let them develop together. You hope, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, that this is a line for years to come, Pilsy. So, hey, that is in the right for DJ Smith, allowing these guys to grow. Definitely. And uh, like when we started way too early line projections and depth charts, I never would have put Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson as the top line on this team. That's the, I didn't even think to do that because I wanted a veteran on each line. I wanted to spread it out. And I didn't have Josh Norris making the team out of camp. I had Logan Brown there, but... You gotta you like you gotta give credit where credit's due. These guys are killing it. They're the similar age. They probably have great chemistry off the ice as well. So well, as like either Norris has great chemistry with either winger, right? No matter if you're looking at Belleville or when they played in the program, him and Josh Norris ask uh, Pierre Dorian if he knows about their friendship much. But this is a line where, sure, they're young, but they're hungry. the The skill set that the three of them have when you combine them together is the making of a top line. And I think it's just going to take some time. Uh, these are young guys. Josh Norris is his first year up in the NHL full season. So we're going to see some growing pains, but so far so good. I'm liking what I've seen from that top line. I've been liking what I'm seeing from our new show at the Locked On Network, Locked On Bets. And uh, go give them a follow on Twitter. They have these level one, level two, and level three locks. And yesterday their level two lock was on the over. In this game, obviously, this is all through betonline.ag, and they hit it. So they can say that, although Pilsy can't say he's hit his parlay of the day. He has once, but the others, he's getting close, awfully close, and that's what happened last night too, eh, Pils? Yeah, unfortunately, close only counts in shotguns and hand grenades, not pills. And horseshoes. Of the day. And, and, and horseshoes. I mean, we can make a list of what close uh, counts in, but parlays, definitely not the case. I mean, like I said, I thought the Sens winning was going to happen for sure. And then the Florida Panthers, nah, they just couldn't get it done against a winless Chicago team. They did get the win, but not, not the uh, puck line that I had. So, you know what, guys? I'm going to I'm going to come down a bit and I'm just going for some safe bets here. The odds may not be amazing, but we got to get a win here. Pilsy's parlay of the day can't have three fails in a row. So, I'm going St. Louis money line. That's minus 183 against the San Jose Sharks and then Vegas Golden Knights money line is 194. They're up against minus 194. They're up against the Arizona Coyotes. So you put 10 bucks in, you win 1344. I'm trying to get some money back in our pockets so we can reload and take a little bit riskier bets later on because uh this this too close, too close, but not close enough stuff isn't gonna cut it anymore. So Pilsy's parlay of the day today. Moneyline St. Louis Blues versus the San Jose Sharks, Moneyline Vegas Golden Knights versus the Arizona Coyotes. Sounds like Milo's on board with that. Are you not worried that you might be in your own head a little bit right now because you're getting this close but not succeeding? 
Oh, absolutely. I'm worried I'm getting in my own head and my own head is not the place you want to be. So we're going to hope that this parlay does a little bit better. I calmed down on the money or on the puck line. So we're going straight money line because so many of these games, Ross, are going to OT this year. It's insane. Yeah, there are a lot. And the over has hit a lot as well. Just a a side note. I won't call it a levy lock, but I will say that it's uh, it's hitting more than it's not. And that's why I go to BetOnline and make these bets. BetOnline.ag, it's the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the only place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. I'm already all over the Buffalo Bills too. I am going to will them to a Super Bowl. So you can bet on any sport there. Obviously, they have hockey. They're ready to go. Always put a Sheckler or two on your Ottawa Senators, especially because they're typically the underdogs. So why not more than double your money and make sure you listen up for Pilsy's parlay of the day because he will get you into the action. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get yourself into the game. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. It will help you because it gives you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit it's bet online your online sports book experts make sure you follow us on twitter as well at send central and subscribe wherever you get your locked on podcast to locked on senators and we always appreciate when you leave a review or even just interacting with our tweet at send central when we post the new episode the more we can spread the word the better and we appreciate you for listening however we will be off tomorrow we've Kind of went back and forth. And Pillsy, I'll get you in on this as well. Trying to figure out which days to take off. If you have any suggestions, feel free to tweet at us. But what we've done is we don't want to miss recap days, right? We preview days, we can do as we're about to get you set for tomorrow's action. So, hey, if you want a little bit of content on the day of, you can pause right here and come back and we'll hit you with our locked on players to watch for. But Pillsy, this is probably the best way to go about it. Ross, dangerous move, tossing it over to the fans to tell us what days to take off. I think these these savages, these locked-on Senators listeners, they want the pod every single day. So I think if it was up, for, up to them, we wouldn't be taking a day off and we'd have hour-long episodes each time, which, hey, we're, we're pretty much near that mark most of the time anyways, especially when we get guests on. And especially now that we have real, actual Ottawa Senators games to break down and to preview. We're breaking games down. We're previewing. These are the best episodes when we can just shoot the shit and talk hockey. We don't have to go searching into Ross Levitan's laptop and Twitter feed for content ideas. When it's just straight hockey, that's always the best. Although there is a special date in Sens history coming up. And we also like to keep tabs on our Sens abroad. Bobby Ryan, not only was 17 penalty minutes in four games this year, he leads the entire NHL in goal scoring. That deserves some serious stick taps. Absolutely. And like, who would have thought Bobby Ryan on the Detroit Red Wings would be leading the way? But look, when he got bought out, you and I were really upset. I think uh, once once the dust settled, we kind of thought, okay, no, this actually makes sense. And it's good to clear up the space and et cetera, et cetera. So we calmed down a little. But initially, we were really pissed off. And that's because it's so frustrating with Bobby Ryan because – all the talents there, like give him a second or two in the slot with the puck. He probably beats a goalie more often than not, even still with his hands um, in rough shape. Like he still has a good shot. He still has offensive instinct. And I think he's fired up now that he's, 
he's working on uh, staying sober and has kind of gone through that path and has a new change of scenery. I think he's got a massive chip on his shoulder and I'm hoping that at the deadline, he gets moved to a contender and we see him light it up in the playoffs like he did back in 2017. Cause this guy's still got fire in his eyes. And I think he's not done just quite yet. The one arm fist pump will never get old. It brings you flashes of game six against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the game tying goal on the power play. What a moment. It not only BFR. history. BFR, absolutely. So we love cheering for Bobby Ryan. We're also fired up for tomorrow's game, also against the Winnipeg Jets, also on home ice before Ottawa heads to Winnipeg for the third of this three-game set. So previewing tomorrow, what are you expecting? How will Ottawa bounce back after such a struggling final few minutes? Well, it's going to be interesting because, like I mentioned, you're probably looking at Vezina winner Connor Hellebuck instead of Laurent Brossois this time. So your your challenges, like, sure, you might uh, outshoot the Winnipeg Jets again like you did, but are you going to beat them three times again? Probably not. Let's be honest. So they're going to have to they're going to have to put pucks on net as much as they can, but. Get some traffic in front. The only way I think you're going to beat Connor Hellebuck if you're the Sens is get some greasy goals. Nothing wrong with greasy goals. They look the same on the score sheet to me. So that's what I want to see them working on. And also, who knows? Maybe Dylan DeMello gets back in the mix here. Maybe, I'm not sure Tucker Poolman's how uh, serious his injury is, but you're getting more guys back probably. Yeah, not to, DeMello will probably play Friday. He stayed back in Winnipeg okay. because of the birth of his uh, his child, so didn't want to travel and go through that. Obviously makes sense. People can't uh, have as much help, I guess, around the house as well, like uh, calling family. And, of course, Dylan DeMello is not from Winnipeg, so makes sense that he stayed back. But line A is with the team, and he's a guy who you have to be very aware if he's back in the lineup. But it's a sense sniper who you are going to be locked on for tomorrow night's game. Evgeny Dadnov, that's my guy. And look, the first two games, not so great. He only Invisible. Played, yeah, honestly. I mean, the second game against the Leafs, he had a couple chances, but he missed that crucial yeah. chance all alone. And Jack Campbell caught a piece of it. Like, that can't be happening for the guy who I've said it a million times. Like, this is the finisher on this team. But what I've liked is, and I think it's going to take some time too. Let's, let's keep it real here. Like, Evgeny Dadnov is used to playing with uh, Huberdeau and Barkov. So for him to adjust to playing with Stepan and Galchenyuk or Stepan and Stutzla, there's going to be an adjustment time. That's for sure. But what I like from what I've seen from Evgeny Dadanov and how the Sens are using him, that new tic-tac-toe play where they have him firing uh, the one-timer from the middle of the slot, gorgeous. Love that. That's exactly how you need to be using Evgeny Dadanov. You need to be setting him up to be the last guy with the puck and firing it in that home plate area that Mike Kelly talked about. That's what we need Dadanov doing. And I saw his play away from the puck looked a lot better too. And he got a lot more ice time. Like his first game, 15 minutes, second game, 14 minutes. Last night, he had 19 minutes, 57 seconds. So basically uh, 20 full minutes. And I've liked what I've seen from him. The drive is there. And I think we're going to see a turnaround game from him. And now the Sens are figuring out how to use him. That's going to be good. Also, one thing we didn't talk about with Dadnov Ross how have we not talked about that massive shiner he's got on one of his eyes? I mean, it's fading away now, but for the first two games, he had a full black eye. So I wonder what the story is there. Must have been from practice because I didn't see anything in either game that would suggest that he would end up looking the way the way he did. However, I'm assuming that the top six will look the same tomorrow night. You mentioned earlier, Stutzla doubtful 
for tomorrow night's game. Galchenyuk still in that spot. The one expected change will be Anisimov out and Colin White in, but we'll be breaking that down for you on Twitter at Send Central tomorrow. My locked on player for tomorrow night is going to be Eric Goodbranson. He had four hits and two block shots in 18 and a half minutes. Get this. He almost played five minutes shorthanded in yesterday's overtime loss. He's playing all the hard minutes against the toughest competition. And if you saw some extracurriculars in last night's game with Blake Wheeler, so you can assume that that pleasantries will continue throughout these next couple games. So I'm going to be locked on Erica Branson and I'm going to be, I'm going to be bold here, Pilsy. I'm going to say Erica Branson gets his first goal of the season tomorrow night. I'm, I'm going with it. Hey, maybe he'll take a shot that gets double deflected. Zaitsev, but I'm going to say he at least factors in on the score sheet tomorrow night. So you've got Evgeny Dadnov. I got Erica Branson, a couple newcomers to the Sens lineup. And, I think that Gabranson's minus three rating through three games is a bit unfair. I think he's been pretty steady. Same with Josh Brown. They've been as advertised, and I'm excited to see the growth here in his game. At the very least, he's definitely a presence out there on the ice, and I don't think he's made very many costly mistakes. So I'm excited to see Eric play tomorrow night. And uh, also, Matt Murray, like goalie-friendly show, but we've been touting how he's looked good. But he's had a sub-900 save percentage in every game. So let, let, let's see him steal this, this one for Ottawa. He's going to have to be every bit as good as Connor Hellebuck if he wants Ottawa to come out with the full two points. So I know, Pilsy, you felt dirty about that one. Let's try to double it up tomorrow. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.